Hello, thanks for joining us today on the Faith Alive Christian Fellowship Podcast. May God bless, keep, and equip you with today's message. Hallelujah. So welcome everybody today. Today we're going we're gonna to cover uh, the Tabernacle Part 3. We're going to be talking today about the holy place. And we're moving out from the Holy of Holies through the veil, back out into the area that was known as the holy place. And just like the temple had three parts to it, the holy of holies, the holy place, and the outer court, it's also a picture of us that we have three parts. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. And as we talk about the holy place today, you're gonna see there's a connection between some of the furnishings in the holy place and our soul. There's also pictures embedded and, and pictures of Jesus and redemption and all those things. So we are by no means gonna cover all the things, but I believe as God leads, we will look at these, uh, what's called the pieces of furniture, if we can call them that, uh, in the holy place. And there's three, of course. There is the golden lampstand, the altar of incense, and the table of showbread. We're gonna look at those three things. Those were the three items that were in the holy place. And the first one we wanna look at is uh, the golden lampstand. So if you have your Bible, uh, we're gonna look in Exodus 25 just to read uh, the construction of the golden lampstand. By the way, it was made out of one piece of gold and fashioned from that. God anointed craftsmen to build that out of a talent of gold. If you're wondering how much a talent of gold is, I think it worked out to about $13 million worth of gold in one big brick and they formed it into that. It is important that it's made out of one piece of pure gold. Remember, gold is the incorruption of heaven. It's given by heaven. So let's go ahead and pick that up in Exodus 25. I'm just gonna read verse 31 and 32 to start. And it says this, "'You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. "'The lampstand shall be of hammered work. "'Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, "'its ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece. "'And six branches shall come out of its sides, Three branches out of the lampstand on one side, and three branches out of the lampstand out of the other side. So the picture of the lampstand is there's a center part that comes up with three stems on each side for a total of seven. We're gonna see why that's significant in a moment. Um, Exodus 27 and verse 20. And this is uh, discussing some of the care of the lampstand. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony. In other words, you're in the holy place. You're outside of the veil that separates it from the holy of holies. Now, there's, there's so much here, but let's, uh, let's, just, let's just talk about a little bit. Uh, the Holy Spirit, this, the golden lampstand, represents the Holy Spirit. We're gonna show you that in the Word. It's, it's primary example. There's other applications, but I believe the primary one that we can look at today is that it represents the Holy Spirit. And I just wanna go back and just mention a few things because we're talking about the tabernacle has three parts, you have three parts, and God has three parts. And I just wanna just reaffirm that real quick as a review. Remember in Genesis, uh, God said, Genesis 1, let us 
plural, make man in our image. The triune Godhead decided to create a being that was a triune being, man, mankind. In 1 John 5, 7, it says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, who's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. One man had a vision one time he was taken to heaven and he said he saw Jesus coming out of the glory and then going back into the glory and the Father was in the glory and then the Holy Spirit was in the glory and they were distinct and yet they were one. And that's the only way he could understand it. They are unique, distinct, and yet they are one. And then it says in Romans 8:11, but if the spirit of him, talking about the father, who raised Christ, the son, from the dead uh, dwells in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So there's all three again. Uh, and then I wanna, I wanna just show you this Again, in another way, speaking of the Holy Spirit, because it's important to understand, just like Jesus has many characteristics, the Holy Spirit has many characteristics. The Bible gives us a revelation of seven different characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the lampstand had seven different lights in it. And I'll mention this again, but when you looked into the holy place, there was total darkness because of the, the draping of the layers over this area. It was pitch black. The only thing that brought light into the holy place was the golden lampstand. If it wasn't going, there was no light. So, so remember, this is a picture of our soul and the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, our soul can be a very dark place. Amen. And so God doesn't wanna just redeem our spirit and he, that's the most important to be born again, but he also wants to bring light into our soul by the Holy Spirit. We're gonna, we're gonna go into this a little bit. So if you look at, uh, in Revelation 1, and I'm gonna read verse four and five, it says this, talking about the Holy Spirit. And it also talks about the Trinity, this passage. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, the Holy Spirit. There's not seven Holy Spirits, there's one, but he has seven distinct characteristics or anointings, we could say it many different ways, or flames, and uh, that's the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and from Jesus Christ, there's the Son, the faithful witness, now notice he's got names, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and I love this part, the ruler over the kings of the earth. If there was ever a time we needed to know there is a ruler over the kings of the earth, it's right now in this generation. Jesus is the king of kings and the ruler of kings, hallelujah. So let's look at Revelation chapter four, just over a few verses there, talking about the Holy Spirit now. Revelation chapter four. And I'm gonna read uh, verse five. And it says, and from the throne proceed lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Again, the seven uh, characteristics of the Holy Spirit is before God's throne. And if you turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse one and two, we see a little more explanation about, uh, about this. So again, remember, 
there is one center stem in the lampstand. And in Isaiah 11, one and two, we're gonna read this. It says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Here we go. The spirit of the Lord, that's the main one. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now it identifies other characteristics. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. There's two of your stems. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. There's the other ones. And honestly, we could take any one of those and they would be an in-depth study teaching all in their own. And we've in this house, we've been blessed with hearing teachings and being uh, enriched with the word concerning some of those subjects. And so it's, it's reaffirmed in the word of God that the golden lampstand is a image of the Holy Spirit shining in the holy place. All right. Uh, we're gonna move on a little bit. Uh, and again, our soul is dark without the Holy Spirit. Unredeemed man is really dark without the Holy Spirit. That's where you get a lot of uh, things in the area of uh, the arts. They tend to come out, paintings and poetry can come out extremely dark and gloomy. And even music can come out that way. That's a picture of the darkness of a person's soul. Without the Holy Spirit, we would all gravitate or default over to darkness. Just important. And even when we're born again, we need to be honest and understand that God is, we need God to renew our soul, restore our soul so that we don't uh, stop or get stunted in growth with the Lord. Very important. Because his desire, we're gonna see, his desire is to shine the light into our soul and bring us into more of him. Okay, so I'm gonna read just a couple more scriptures here concerning this, the light of Revelation, Psalm 18 and verse 28. Psalm 18, 28. For you will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness, the psalmist says, prophetically. 2 Corinthians chapter four, here's the New Testament. There's many more on this. And honestly, you will find as, you, as we study the tabernacle together, reading the Psalms will never be the same. Reading the book of Hebrews will never be the same because God will build on these things and we'll get a depth and we'll get an understanding and fellowship with the Lord that will, that will move us further in him. And this is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter four and verse six. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of him and not of us. Really good to always, always, always remember the goodness that's in us is from God, not of ourselves. We're a vessel, we're a temple. He is the glory inside of that temple. He is the redemption working on the inside of us. That stops a lot of selfish ambition right there. Because if we just keep acknowledging God, any good thing I've ever done has been you working through me. Amen. It's not, it's not human goodness. It's God's goodness in us that does things. God's grace in us. All right, we're gonna look next at the altar of incense. This gets really interesting. And again, remember as we look at these, it's the light from the Holy Spirit or the golden lampstand that lights up the other furnishings. So as we discover what the altar of incense represents, 
remember that it's, it's enlightened or it's, it's inspired by the light of the Holy Spirit, all right? So Exodus chapter 30, verse one to 10. This is all gonna come together as we go, as we go on here. Exodus chapter 30. And verse one says, you shall make an altar to burn incense on. You shall make it of acacia wood. A cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width and it shall be square and two cubits shall be its height. Its horns shall be one piece with it and you shall overlay its top, its sides all around and its horns with pure gold and you shall make for it a molding of gold all around it. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the molding on both its sides. I'm gonna go down to verse seven. Aaron shall burn on it, this is the altar of incense, sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps. That's the lampstand. He shall burn incense on it, uh, shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Then it goes on to say, you shall not offer strange incense, a grain offering, pour a drink offering on it. Uh, and we'll, we'll leave it at that. You can read the rest of those verses. So the altar of incense was a place where the incense was burned producing a smoke and it was to be a perpetual thing. It was to be a perpetual thing. Now we see Jesus in the altar of incense where it says in Hebrews chapter seven and verse 25, he ever lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus is pictured in the altar of incense as that our high priest, think about this, is praying eternal prayers for you from heaven. That's awesome. If Jesus is praying for your success, that's a pretty big deal. Amen. He makes intercession. He's interceding for us. Hallelujah. So what then does the altar of incense represent? Prayer. It represents in, simply, in its simplest uh, form, prayer. And so uh, when you look at uh, Romans, let's look at that. We've got time today. As a matter of fact, let's go to Hebrews 7 and read that as well. Let's just slow down and get the most out of this. Hebrews chapter 7. And verse 25. Mm. I'm gonna just read from verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, because he, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I heard one preacher say, Jesus can save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. <laughs> you might be in the gutter, but if you give your life to Jesus and let him work on you, he will take you, he'll take you places. He will, he will restore your soul if we let him. And then in Romans chapter eight and verse 34, It says, who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is 
even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So there's another scripture saying, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So I wanted to look at uh, some Bible references to, uh, to the link. All I did was I typed in two words in my, I got this cool app on my phone, I can type in words, and it'll find me every verse in the Bible that has those two words or those three words in it instantly. What a day we live in. Man, you know what they had to do in the old days? Man, they had to go through tediously and find all of these and hours and hours, and we have it instantly. I wanna say to whom much is given, (laughs) much is required. And man, we have some amazing study helps for studying the word. Instant, Instant translations of the Hebrew and Greek words, don't we? We basically are without excuse if we're not looking into the word and studying with the Lord. All right, the first one is in Psalm 141. And I think we will turn to these instead of just going through them without reading them fully. Psalm 141, the link between incense, prayer and incense. It says in Psalm 141, verse one, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me, give ear to the voice, to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. And then in Luke chapter one, I never noticed this verse before. Luke chapter one, and, and verse, I'll start with verse eight. And so it was, speaking of uh, Zacharias, the priest, that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. So there we see a link between prayer and incense. Now these two examples are prayer and incense going on on earth from the tabernacle, from the temple. I wanna give you two examples of prayer as incense in heaven. You see, because prayers, mm, get ready, prayers don't just stay on the earth. Come on now. They're not just incense on the earth. Prayers, especially when, in, uh, when inspired by the Holy Spirit, is shed on that, the light of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit in prayer. Those prayers are incense in another place. They're incense before the throne of God. Mm. I'll give you another one. When someone passes away, the prayers they prayed while they were alive on the earth are still going on in heaven. That's one of the reasons why prayer is so important for us believers because we have a limited amount of time on the earth, and yet we can pray prayers of intercession, prayers for people's salvation, among other things. And if we were to pass away, those prayers can still be rolling on. You know, even scientists, this is, here's a sobering thought, a little side, side but we'll come right back, promise. Uh, every word, scientists were saying this on this one program, every word that you speak makes sound waves and carries on even out past Earth's atmosphere and goes on forever. (laughs) That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Come on now. But think about it in the positive. Our prayers are words that are going on. Amen. The blessing you speak, 
those things, the words, they matter. Words matter. They really matter. So we wanna show uh, from the book of Revelation these prayers going up before the throne of the Father. It's so powerful. Revelation chapter five. And I'm gonna read verse eight first. Oh, I'm in Romans, that's why that didn't make sense. That was good, but not, not what I should be on. Revelation chapter five and verse eight. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are what? The prayers of the saints. Those are going up in heaven before the throne. Wow, wow, just think about it now. Those prayers are in an eternal state in heaven. We do some natural things on the earth that enact supernatural things as God leads us, don't we? Woo, that's good, that's good. Revelation chapter eight, verse three and four. And another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hands. God is actually absorbing smell. They have an aroma to them, prayers. They, they have an effect and they're actually eternally going before the Father in heaven. Prayer matters. Now, remember we said the, the tabernacle is a picture, the holy place is actually a picture as well of the local church. And here's a good example. Remember when Jesus came in and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So prayers are essential to the local church. It's hard to have a strong local church without strong prayer going on consistently. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now there's many kinds of prayer and I'm not going to have the liberty or the time to go into all types of prayer. We know there's public prayer, there's, there's a prayers of agreement, there's intercessory prayer, there's all types of prayer. But for the sake of the Holy Spirit, we'll give you a stepping off point for those things. This is just a sort of a foundational look at it. But there is mentioned about a place called the secret place of prayer. And really, like I said, when we read the Psalms, we're gonna see them in a whole different way because in the tabernacle, remember, that's where the cloud of the Lord was above it in the daytime and the fire by night, remember? And so when the psalmist said in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He's talking about being in that place of prayer under that cloud in the tabernacle in the Lord's presence. Amen, amen. There's a secret place of prayer. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter six. And we're gonna go into that just briefly. Matthew chapter six and verse six. <clears throat> Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go into your room when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. How does he reward you openly? He answers your prayers. 
<laughs> you pray for someone, here, here's a good rule of thumb. When you see something, go and pray about it. If you see, see something about a person, go and pray about that, unless it's an emergency situation. Go and pray about that. What's the reward? God will answer your prayers, especially intercessory prayers. Come on now, by answering it, by helping that person. That's a great reward to have your prayers answered. It's a huge, it's, that's your reward of prayer in the secret place is to have the answer manifest in the public. Amen, it's powerful. That's a huge reward. And he was specifically talking, Jesus was, about how the Pharisees love to be seen to pray perfectly worded, you know, perfectly structured prayers in the marketplace. It had gotten so bad in the religious world that it became a show, an outward show with nothing on the inside. God doesn't so much concerned about the outward, although he will work with us on that as we let him, but he's concerned about what's going on on the inside of us, right? That's what really matters. What's going on in the secret place? What's going on in that place? Amen, that's what matters. All right, let's also look at uh, another scripture here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Talking about prayer, talking about the altar of incense. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5:16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Now, <laughs> if you read that and you just thought, "Oh man, God wants me to pray from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep." Well, if you could do that, <laughs> that might be a good thing, but what the word without ceasing really means is pray consistently. That's it. It's got some renderings that talk about consistency, things that are repetitive but consistent. So pray consistently. And, and if you set the bar way up there, pray without ceasing, I've just got to pray every waking moment. We probably would miss listening to the Holy Spirit to help us know what to pray for, right? <laughs> so there's a, good, there's a good balance for that. Pray consistently. Pray with the light of the Holy Spirit on our prayer, spirit-led prayer. And there's also another level of that, isn't there, where we can actually let the Holy Spirit intercede through us for sometimes things we don't even know, but we'll read that. Let's go to Romans chapter eight. Come on, this is a vital type of prayer as well for the believer, especially, I wanna say especially in the last days, the Holy Spirit activity in the life of the believer, we need to get all of him that we can because it's essential for this hour, amen, that we have as much as we can. It's essential. Uh, I'm going to Romans chapter eight and verse 26. And it says, likewise the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in the Greek. It also says that can't be easily articulated. In other words, a prayer in the Holy Spirit using your heavenly prayer language, praying in tongues is a vital form of prayer. It's vital. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession, there it is again, for the saints according to the will of God. When I pray in the Holy Spirit, I am praying and interceding. Yes, sometimes I'm building myself up. Yes, sometimes we're ministering different things. But in prayer, amen, we are praying for the will of God. 
So sometimes when God puts someone on our heart, if we don't know how to pray, but we get a sense of a person that we should pray for, it's always good if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, start praying in the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm. So, the, so the golden lampstand illuminates prayer. Illuminates prayer. The Holy Spirit illuminates prayer. And that's important. It's important. All right, the third thing we're gonna look at today is the table of showbread. And so uh, we're gonna look in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 23. And there's so much in each one of these. Exodus 25 and verse 23, the table for the showbread. You shall also make a table of acacia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width and a cubit and a half its height, and you shall overlay it with pure gold and shall make a molding of gold all around. These moldings, some say, were like, look like a crown, look like a crown. They have to do with authority, have to do with authority of pure gold all around. You shall make for a frame of it a handbreadth all around and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around and you shall make for it four rings of gold. Put the rings on the four corners that are at its four legs the rings shall be close to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and the table that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers, its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. Now the table of showbread had a type of bread, obviously on it, and it was a finely ground, unleavened bread, and it consisted of 12 loaves. Now these numbers in the Bible are, are significant. They matter. God put numbers. We could have looked at a lot of the numbers for the tabernacle, but we didn't want to get too, too many details. But if you look at that sometime, you'll start to see things that, that God's, God's got things working with numbers that are significant and mean things. Some people say, well, don't get into too many numbers in the Bible, you might get into numerology. Well, people who are into numerology are just counterfeiting what God did in the first place when he created everything with numbers. <laughs> because numbers are significant, they matter. And in the tabernacle, it's amazing the way that numbers work. 12, 12 is an interesting number. In the Bible, the number 12 represents government. It represents government. So there's 12 loaves, Yes, they, they also coincide to the 12 tribes of Israel, but in that, they represent government. Now, if we look at the tabernacle and the holy place as a picture of the local church, which we're gonna see a little bit more of that next time, but for now, 12 represents government in the local church. Now, this gets really interesting because uh, this unleavened bread also represents in the Bible pure doctrine, true doctrine. And so God has a way of wanting true doctrine in the local house. It, get, just, just stay with me. I'm gonna give you a couple scriptures here. The unleavened bread represents the uncorrupted word of God and pure doctrine. In Matthew chapter 12, we're gonna look at something. So many times Jesus would say something and everybody would go like, huh? 
quickly come up with an answer to what he's saying. And they would use their human reasoning to, like we do, don't look at me like that, like we do when we hear some things. I heard one fellow say, he said, revelation travels at the speed of heaven, but we have to process things here on earth sometimes and get it working on the inside of us. So it's okay if we don't get everything the first time we hear it. The thing is to keep listening, keep listening, because God has much to say to us and if we'll listen, he will continually, hey, there's a reason why Jesus said, verily, verily, I say again to you. <laughs> there's a good reason why he said that, because he was speaking words of life, spiritual words, and lots of times, just like we wouldn't have got it, they didn't get it. And this is one of those occasions uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 11. Uh, he said, he was talking to them about, here we go, verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the what? Doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, he's warning them, watch out for their teaching. There's no life in it. Don't start absorbing. Let this generation be, here's the thing. We have access to so much that if we're not careful in guarding, we can open up to a lot of things that are teachings that, are, that have leaven in them, that are not pure doctrine. So be careful, Christian, that you don't follow too many things out there. Be careful, that's all I'll say, because there's some things that are not doctrinally sound and we have ease of access. Don't ever type into Google, is it okay for a Christian to dot, 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 and put something in there that you know is probably wrong, right? Don't ever type that into Google because you will find somebody in some kind of a religious affiliation somewhere who will try to validate their sin with false doctrine and work on your soul and work on your mind. That's the holy place. Let the Holy Spirit through the government of God, through his church, bring forth doctrine into your life. That's a safe place. That's a safe place for us. We all need that in our lives, by the way. We all need it. Uh, along those lines, 2 Timothy chapter three. Mm. 2 Timothy chapter three. Paul, who was Timothy's spiritual father, is speaking to him and he says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. So he's saying doctrine is important in the local house. The table of showbread represents true doctrine among other things and the government of God in that and lit, enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So if at first we don't understand, what we should do is go and pray and say, God, I need you to help me process and understand. It's okay if we don't understand right away because Paul was praying a prayer one time and he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. Without the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit in our soul, none of us will understand. Anyway, <laughs> we need that. Thank God, amen, if we stick around, we can get that. If we keep listening, we can get, if we keep hearing and hearing, what's gonna come? Faith. If we keep hearing and hearing the word of God, what's gonna come? Faith, hallelujah. Remember, remember 
that the showbread was eaten by the priest as it was eliminated, eliminated by the lampstand, the Holy Spirit. Now, I just wanna share uh, just along these lines because you will see that God stresses the importance of eating his word, meditating on his word as a means to have faith come in our lives, as a means for us to be successful. And this kind of ties in. And I just wanna read you from Joshua chapter one real quick. There, by the way, there's hours and hours of this uh, teaching that, that, we could, that we could go into and study. However, just for the sake of today, Joshua chapter one, now God speaks to Joshua in verse eight and he says, this book of the law, in other words, his word, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night according to all that you may observe to do, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. You want an enlightenment? Study the word of God because it's the key to your success. Amen. And speak the word of God because that's also a key to our success. And meditate on what God says in his word about us, not what the enemy says about you in your soul trying to beat you down. Because as we all know, if you listen to discouraging thoughts in your mind, thoughts that are coming from the enemy, no faith comes. It actually destroys it. What voice are we listening to? What are we eating? Are we in the holy place eating pure doctrine? Are we listening, paying attention when the word of God goes forth in our life? It's all, it all has an effect. Oh, it's so powerful. What, what does Psalm 1 say? We've got a few minutes. Let's look at Psalm 1. Hallelujah. Psalm 1. Watch out for the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. Be careful who you listen to, Jesus said. Be careful. I don't care if, they're your, if you got this huge soul tie with somebody and you, you wanna give them audience, be careful what you listen to because false doctrine is false doctrine is false doctrine is false doctrine. A doctrine of a devil is a doctrine of a devil and it's a doctrine of a devil and it might come in a beautiful package and usually it does or in a smooth sounding sentence but all that stuff is garbage. What about this one? Here's, I'll give you an example. Uh, some people, religious people will say, speaking in tongues was done away with the early church. We all know it. Well, that's a false doctrine. That's absolutely false doctrine. One of the keys to your success in the last days is flowing in the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 16, it says, these signs uh, Mark 16, 16, will follow them that believe. They, among other things, they shall speak with new tongues. I showed someone that in their Bible one day and they, their eyes got big, 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 like toonies. They were just like, they couldn't believe that was in their Bible. Believers shall speak with new tongues. Here's another one. Jesus commanded them to tarry in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. The Here's some pure doctrine. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! That kind of lays all that other stuff to rest. Beware of that leaven because it will steal you of the Holy Spirit's life working in your life. 
I'll say it another way. It will rob you of having that essential link with God through the Holy Spirit. The supernatural will all but go away and be very predictable religious life with a lot of confusion and a lot of soul power. Hmm. Psalm 1, look at this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, there's words of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You see, where this all ends up going is mocking the things of God. If people give in to those doctrines, the one I just mentioned, they'll end up mocking, if they're not careful, the moving of the Holy Spirit because they've been taught it's not for now, it can't be real, therefore they default to human reasoning and understanding. But you are not of that group, beloved. <laughs> Praise God. I would say this, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus is commanding you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. What are you gonna do with that? Of course we have choice, but God wants you to have it more than you think you should sometimes. Because if you're not careful, you'll let the devil talk you out of. You say, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not there like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, so God wouldn't give that holy thing. Yes, he would. The blood of Jesus paid the price for you, amen, to receive not just the spirit of God on the inside of you. He's already done the hard part. Now he can do the Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being speaking the will of God building yourself up, moving into the supernatural. It's a gateway gift to all the other gifts. Mm, we must have been going there for a reason. Psalm 1, meditate on the word of God. His delight, verse two, is in the law, the word of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. In other words, circumstances, whatever's going on, can't stop a person who's meditating on God's word, who's spending time in the holy place, letting the Holy Spirit enlighten them, who's receiving real doctrine and meditating on that. Nothing can stop you from succeeding but you. Joshua, then you will make your way success if you do this. That the connotation is if you don't do it, there ain't no success down the road for you, Joshua, my son. That's the connotation. It's, it's like God said, I sit before you life and death, choose life. Here's the answer to it. Like, pick this one. <laughs> it says, pick the life. You know, God is cheering us on. Jesus is praying for us. The Holy Spirit is waiting to go through us. And here we are in the valley of decision going, well, I'm not sure it's for me. No, it's for you. The promise is to you who are near and are far off. That's what it says when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Amen. It's for you and it'll change your life. It'll change your life. It'll help in the restoration of your soul. It'll bring enlightenment into your soul in a new way. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Uh, in John 14, 26, it says this, Jesus said, he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to teach us the word of God through people, yes. But he's the one who's getting that going in our subconscious. He's the one working in that. He's the one reminding us those things. He's the one who's giving you something else in the word of God right now that's confirming to you that what you're hearing is true. 
Those experiences are the Holy Spirit working. You can be, uh, sometimes I'm listening to a message, Pastor Don will be preaching, someone will be preaching, and I'll hear this verse that confirms what they're saying that is not in their message at all, and I know the Holy Spirit is saying, this is truth, and here's another witness to that truth. Pure doctrine, the government of God. I remember one time we had a brother coming to, coming to our church years ago, and he was struggling in his mind with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was struggling intellectually with his own understanding. And uh, one day, Pastor Don said he was just leaving, and he pointed at him, he said, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, and he started speaking in tongues. <laughs> Government, authority, the Word of God, those things all work together. It's a, it's, a, it's a strong goal of the Lord to have a representation of himself on the earth. And we'll see next time how that there's things done with that holy place that, that confirm that it's a picture of the local church in other ways. And what's going on in the outer court, there's some things how those two connect. So you don't wanna miss next week. There, I give you a little, little commercial for next week. And uh, by the way, read the Psalms. I just wrote it as a note in your, in your lesson. I'll go ahead and read you a couple of verses out of Psalm 27 before we sign off. The Psalms will mean different things after you study the tabernacle. They'll mean more. They'll have more depth. There'll be more uh, a st strengthening on your inner man as you read it. And this is Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You could just as easily put the word lampstand in there. The Lord is my lampstand. Look at this, verse four. One thing have I desired, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold all the days of my life, the beauty of the Lord, inquire in his temple. In the time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Wait, something just changed. <laughs> One minute he's surrounded, he's gotten into the secret place, and all of a sudden, he's set high on a rock. And then he goes in verse six, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. He got a revelation, didn't he, of the word of God by the Holy Spirit in the secret place and something shifted on the inside of his soul and something came alive in him by faith and he was able to speak a solution to whatever it was that had him down. When you get beat up, when you get attacked in your mind, when you get discouraged, get into the secret place with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and real doctrine that brings the goodness of God on the scene in your life and get built up and you'll find you start to speak in a different way and you rise up above your enemies. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Look at this. Just go to verse 13. We'll close with this. We got to close. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You, we've got to find a way, beloved, to get into that place where we can see the goodness of God, believe the goodness of God, speak about the goodness of God so we can receive the goodness of God and counter that offensive that's going on. Like Joyce Meyer said, the battlefield is in the mind, in the soul your mind, your will, your emotions. We're gonna see next time how that our will comes into play with some of the things to do with the tabernacle. That there's some things that we need to do with our body to submit to the will of God.
Hallelujah, it's gonna be powerful. You don't wanna miss it. So God bless you, everybody. We're gonna sign off for now and uh, we will see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the online portion of this week's message, but we'd love to connect with you in person. Our services are held weekly at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, upstairs at 3771 Broadway Avenue, Smithers, BC. If you're on the go and you'd like to participate in tithes and offerings, you can e-transfer them to facfsmithers at citywest.ca. Till next time, God bless and keep you from all of us here at Faith Alive Christian Fellowship.